How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me slash growth. That's hbs.me slash growth. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. The cough tro is back. Um, what did you call it? The cough tro? Yeah, the choke tro? What is oh, it supposed to be? The choke tro? I'm trying to think of uh, what, it, what it was characterized as. Uh, me choking. Uh, By popular time. demand. It was very popular demand. Um, and again, maybe if you hate the choke tro, you let me know. Shout out to... Oh, shoot. Who's the guy that makes that? Oh, I was going to say Zach811 requested you bring it back on on Audio Boom, but, but maybe you were going to ask about something else. No, I was going to say the Choke Tro um, was a suggestion for a nickname for it um, by our friend. He makes the videos. Justin Superstar, I think, is his. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Justin. He he suggested the choke tro that it's an it's an intro that's choking, um, and hopefully all of you understand this reference because you listened to yesterday's lockdown box. If you didn't, go back and you'll you'll figure it out. Um, man, uh, in jokes in a podcast. Not sure if that's a great idea. Anyways, I'm Eric. Name Frank Mann is the person you've heard me discussing things with. Frank, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing okay. I'm uh, uh, you know we we thought we were gonna have to wait until friday at midnight to get a bunch of interesting nba action but as usual the nba never fails to disappoint so on a wednesday i guess morning uh, we get via woge bomb of course woge bomb uh, news that chris paul is is not waiting until free agency but chris paul <laughs> is on the move today to houston in a you know blockbuster deal involving patrick beverly sam decker lou williams mantras harrell and a future top three protected pick next year from Houston. That's messed um, up, Frank. You for, you forgot like four players. Oh, and then like a bunch of other random <laughs> dudes to, to make salaries match. But those, I guess, were the guys who actually yes, seem to matter. Yes, I was joking. Um, and yeah, it's it's a pretty pretty complicated deal. Just, I mean, I, I mean, I think you know, again, everybody expected Chris Paul to to opt out and just potentially sign someplace else. I thought the talk of Houston being a suitor for. Chris Paul was more just Chris Paul's representation, just sort of looking for leverage so he could get that like mega five-year, two hundred million dollar extension from the Clippers. But and also Daryl Morey, like letting people know, like I'm yeah. in on free agency, open like, for business. Yeah, yes, I mean I'm, nobody. I'm yeah, I mean nobody. I mean it seems like Daryl Morey, Daryl Morey, and and Danny Ainge, like nobody is better at just willing themselves into free agent discussions when, <laughs> you know, regardless of whether they have cap space or not, um, and regardless of whether they seem to make sense, I guess, on the surface, because, you know, certainly the Rockets would not be the obvious team you'd say would, would be need to go out and find, you know, arguably the best point guard of the past couple decades, given James Harden looked okay playing point guard last <laughs> year. But um, Daryl Morey also has never shied away from, trying to go get superstars and great players and um certainly you know again in the arms race of of the modern nba the the rockets you have to just tip your hat i mean uh 
did I say hap? Tip your cap. Um, you know, I mean, you look at what they did. They never tanked. They, you know, as I was tweeted earlier today, I mean, they took, you know, a collection of dimes and nickels and somehow got James Harden and James Harden turned me into a superstar. And now they're taking all these dimes and nickels. And granted, they might have had, you know, obviously an ability to sign him with cap room as well. But um, by doing this trade, they would have had to get rid of guys anyway to, to make this room. And by doing this now, Chris Paul can can be eligible for a five year deal a year from now. Um, to resign with with the Rockets, you know, assuming he doesn't leave them at the altar next summer. But um, either way, an incredible, incredibly ballsy, big—maybe not ballsy, but incredibly um, bold move by the Houston Rockets. And um, you know, I think certainly there there are GMs out there that you just look at and say, those guys go out and make things happen and conjure deals from nothing and. Um, I think Daryl Morey always does that, and you know, hopefully John Horst and the Bucks are taking notes, and one day can can start to do something like that because um, you know, again, the the Rockets, good team last year, came back, you know, lots of good buzz about them. Didn't have the horses obviously in the West, and now they just added one more very serious horse, and I guess we'll see we'll see what happens. Could you imagine a more Daryl Morey trade than than that, like going out and somehow spending the entire day from the moment that like the interest was first like said and like oh there's a good possibility that happens and then he makes like seven trades to get the requisite money required to make it happen and like it it was just so Daryl Morey and also it's taken a huge chance like again I'm not sure two players dominate the ball more, I mean, outside of Russell Westbrook than those two guys. And I'm, I'm a big believer in talent always wins. Like, the, it, it'll always win out, and talent will always find a way. Uh, but still, like, those two guys are going to have to make major adjustments to figure out how to play together. And I think that was part of the reason why I never really took that trade idea serious. Like, I never actually believed, okay, the Rockets are an actual player for Chris Paul because you you have James Harden, who was very good, who led the league in assists, who was in control of that offense. That offense is all about him, and he was an MVP candidate, and just so many things pointed to, okay, I don't know how much sense those two make together, uh, but it, I think it's going to be pretty fun to watch and to see what they can do uh, with Mike D'Antoni, just the the evil genius trying to draw up some other stuff on the backside. Like, good luck trying to defend a hardened side pick and roll with Paul in a big on the backside. Because if you help out and then all of a sudden get a step behind, all of a sudden you're in another pick and roll on the other side. Like, oh my god, um, that offense is going to be awesome and incredible next year. So that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited about it. And I'm also happy that it signals to all of us that maybe people aren't going to pack it in. Um, not that I th- ever thought that that was like a, a huge idea, uh, that teams are just going to be like, well, whatever, let's just wait out the Warriors. Let's not give it a go. Um, there's too many competitors. There's too many owners that want to win. There's too. There's just too much demand for winning for people to pack it in and this was kind of cool to see that okay this summer one could get a little bit wild and two could mean we're going to have some other teams that are are going to do everything that they can to compete against the Warriors yeah and I mean if you have James Harden in his prime 
you know, if you have Russell Westbrook in his prime, you know, there's really no viable option to just sort of wait out the Warriors. I mean, you know, Harden's in the same age range as, as, uh, you know, Golden State's best players. Yep. Um, you know, Russell Westbrook, kind of similar story. So I think for, for teams like that, um, again, unless you are at the point where you just don't have the pieces around those guys and you want to consider just trading them away, as we saw with the Bulls, um, you know, then I think you, you have to kind of view it as first and foremost, how do we get better? And obviously there are teams like the Bulls, which, you know, are run by idiots and so they give up right and they kind of pack it in and that was probably the best thing for them to do because of everything that's happened the last couple of years around the bulls like they were not going to be in a position to to really make a run at anything <laughs> um but you know again these guys don't get traded out of the league right i mean they're they, when they get traded they're tending to go to teams that um are consolidating to to try to do something bigger and better obviously if paul george went to la that might not be so much the case but you know, not surprisingly, teams that are already good are, are trying to get even better because, um, you know, as you said, I, I think it's in the DNA of, of a lot of these franchises to, to try to compete. And even if you're not going to be, you know, competitive with the Warriors, I mean, a team like the Bucks are a good example, um, you know, to there's a there's a broad spectrum. Right. And, and so the idea of just I mean, are you going to give up? Are you, you know, like, do you what do you do right do you trade chris middleton for a top five pick or something like that and try to you know wait even further i don't know i mean i think there's always pressures on these franchises to try to get better and you know culturally to start building on what you have and certainly if you have a, a guy like Giannis in milwaukee you know you don't want to just be a 41 team for the next three years and then you know hit some magical button right um so it's it's difficult because you know again you, you kind of have to just play it as it lies and um certainly you don't want to just go for something that's not there and certainly the bucks have have their own issues just in terms of their roster and their cap sheet and you know how do you optimize around Giannis? but um but it's certainly interesting to see a lot of these teams uh, in the rest of the league obviously at least showing an inclination to try to get better and certainly uh not a coincidence that daryl morey is uh is leading the charge there and i guess we'll see i mean you know there were i think regular season and i mean a number of people thought the rockets might be the best chance of of dethroning the Warriors just because of the sort of volatility of their offense. Maybe mm-hmm. they could put together four games in which they somehow won uh, and be dethroned the eventual champs. But, um, I, you know, I, I think it'll be really fun to see if, if what, what comes after this, um, because certainly if we know anything about Daryl Morey, it's that he's, he's not going to be happy with just two stars and he's going to try and find a way to, to get another one. And we've already heard, you know, rumors of, of them trying to think about how they could try to get Paul George um, you know, if Carmelo Anthony was bought out, you know, would, would they be able to make a run at him in Houston? Um, what other things might they have up their sleeves? You know, Paul Millsap, all these other free agents out there, how can they continue to make even more flexibility and, you know, rumors of them trying to offload Ryan Anderson's contract and different things. So you can't really put anything past Daryl Morey. And, um, I, I think it, if, if, if the last week has been any indication, it's, you know, I think we could be in for, a pretty fun weekend here as uh, as free agency starts. And I was going to say, I, I think if you're one of those teams that thought, okay, we're going to make a, we're going to be one of the teams that make a big splash. Now all of a sudden you're thinking, oh, are, are we the team anymore? Like, it, th- there's going to be a, a bunch of teams in the mix here, and I think with the Rockets hopping in, like that just added a, another team to it. And now you, I, I think if you were very confident going into the summer, for example, like if you're thinking about the Celtics, if the Celtics were very confident that they were going to get everything done, 
well, uh, another team just, uh, in my mind, became a very serious player. And I think that's got to be kind of scary for any of the teams that have been trying to create value, try to hoard assets and make something happen. Like, okay, uh, another team's in the mix. And uh, you just keep looking around, and, uh, like, I see a team in Miami with Pat Riley. That dude always, always is going for something. And, And he might not get it, but, man, if he somehow steals, I don't know, Gordon Hayward or Millsap or somebody, like, if he gets a meeting and makes that happen, I think there's going to be a lot of teams that are really going to be disappointed that they didn't go stronger, that they were unable to get what they wanted in the end. So um, I think you're right. It's going to be, I think it's going to be a very interesting couple of days because no one seems to be uh, relenting. They they are going to continue to go forward and try to do everything they can to build a contender. And building a contender is maybe a much more arduous task at this point um and and maybe you need more to be a serious contender but and maybe that just turns up the the desperation for teams and and what they're willing to give up so uh it's gonna be fun i'm looking forward to it it's it's still before the deadline and uh, i think today was one of the crazier days in twitter Uh, i mean one of the craziest days in NBA Twitter since DeAndre Jordan got locked in a house uh, in barricade. With Chris Paul and company. <laughs> and they barricaded the door. Like, since that day, I think today might have been the craziest. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Um, only other. Well, one, thing, one, one thing I'd add, too. I mean, I think that I mean, we talked about, I think, last week, but after the Jimmy Butler trade and the Paul George news. But it is interesting that, you know, that there is obviously sort of a, you, you sense there's this potential consolidation of power in terms of stars and especially going you know the western conference now their number of people were throwing around stats about how you know basically like none of the all nba team members were in the east and um you know i threw out there probably the ideal scenario at this point is um you know paul george someone ends up in la lebron then a year from now gets so pissed off at dan gilbert that he says screw you i'm gonna go hang out with paul george in la hey the whole banana boat gang might be I, I, there's a chance they're all unrestricted free agents next summer. So yeah. like that, then, that could be a real thing. Yeah, and then Gordon Hayward does not go to Boston, and hopefully Boston gets left a bit high and dry as well, in which case, obviously, that's good news for the Bucks and, and everyone else in the East who, yeah. um, you know, again, we, we there could be a swing here in terms of the star power potentially staying or, or coming back um, a bit uh, into into the East, maybe a little bit if, if particularly Hayward were to come back. You know, Blake Griffin, what does this mean for the Clippers. Um, but you know, it is interesting cause you look at sort of the, I guess you might say the middle class of the playoff pictures, you know, the, the bulls, the Pacers, um, you know, those teams are, are obviously kind of thrown into complete disarray. The Hawks were the fifth seed last year. What's going to happen to the Hawks. If Kyle Lowry leaves the Raptors, what happens to the Raptors? Um, it, it's really interesting how sort of the the middle class, if you will, or that second tier of teams that, you know, maybe not the, the top handful of teams in, in the East. Um, those teams are in trouble. And obviously now with uh, the West, the Clippers, what is going to happen with the Clippers? Question mark. Um, the Jazz, if they lose Gordon Hayward and George Hill, um, you know, that 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 four five matchup in the West, both those teams could be certainly thrown for a loop next year. So, um, so again, just sort of interesting, you know, the NBA sort of constantly in flux and um, a, a number of teams and in both conferences, um, you know, potentially seeing uh, seeing their their playoff hopes tumble from 
you know, a place a couple years ago, maybe a year ago, a couple years ago, uh, you know, teams that we thought of as, as being maybe not con- leading contenders for, for, for conference titles, but teams that were at least in that discussion and certainly teams like the Bucks um, and others that maybe were outside the playoff picture, um, maybe now view this as a chance. Hey, if we get a little bit better, maybe we're not going to be contending with the Warriors or anything, but we could actually be a second round team. We could be a home court team in the playoffs. Um, so, you know, again, it's all about kind of taking, taking advantage of the opportunities that, that present themselves and, Certainly, again, nobody nobody, nobody gets themselves more opportunities than Daryl Morey, it seems. One other thing I was thinking about, for all the people who said, oh, well, you know what, the Warriors are just going to win and nothing really matters, seems like I spent a whole lot of my day talking about the NBA. It seemed like I was very interested in all of those things. And at this point i don't know if we're much closer to finding someone that's going to beat the warriors next year maybe maybe a little bit closer with the rockets but i don't i still don't think they would be they i don't know would they would the odds have them winning a game against the warriors like I, I, we're still not there and i guess this just speaks to my greater point like okay you can say whatever you want that uh nothing matters and that the Warriors are just going to win every championship from here, uh, from here on out. But I, I don't know. I seemed I had a lot of fun today. I just had a lot of fun talking with you about non-Bucks NBA stuff. Like I don't know. I just think basketball and especially the NBA with the way that players kind of have taken over their own destinies. Like I think this stuff is endlessly interesting. So. Um, just uh, just another thing that makes me think like okay you know what even if the warriors do win a couple here i'm still enjoying myself i'm still enjoying uh taking in basketball and uh just kind of watching all of these teams try to find a way to compete with them uh so hopefully that continues for the rest of the summer let's get into actual bucks talk now and like i mentioned last night in the past when this has happened and i know this was i mean we would do it on the brew who podcast we would do it uh we did it last year on locked on bucks like we would go through this and preview positions and preview uh kind of things that we thought the bucks could do should do would do whatever it may be we talked about all those things but this year it it just doesn't it doesn't seem particularly relevant uh, because the Bucks are as capped out as they are. We've talked about that a bunch of times. So I think what we're going to do is we're going to try to play a little true-false, maybe some over-unders. Um, and how we're going to get that started is, I think, the the biggest piece hanging out there for the Bucks, and that is Tony Snell. So true or false, Frank, Tony Snell will be a Milwaukee Buck next season. I think it's true. Um I think we'll we'll talk in a minute here about what what kind of numbers he might be looking at in terms of contract. But I think even with the luxury tax peril the Bucks are in, I think there are enough ways to you know circumvent that issue and and get back under the tax. Um, that I, I think Tony Snell will be back. And you know again, I think that it's it's a two way street here. I think you know John Horst actually spoke to this in his introductory presser. You know I think Tony Snell's a very good fit for the Bucks. They need shooters. They like versatile defenders. Um, they need you know, a guy who can just catch and shoot and plays in his lane, sticks in his lane, doesn't try to do too much, um, willingly defends whoever. Uh, and he's a guy that they love on and off the court. 
um, you know, from a character standpoint. He's a guy that I'm sure John Horse would say fits the Bucks DNA since that is his new catchphrase. Um, and I think Tony Snell probably also realizes that uh, the Bucks are a very good place for him as well. And, um, you know, long term, is he a starter here? I don't know. Obviously, sort of the Jabari question sort of looms over that. Uh, does Chris Middleton switch back to the starting shooting guard spot in a world where Jabari Parker is healthy? But we're not in a world where Jabari Parker is healthy for a while yet. So, um, you know, certainly there's a great fit here for Tony Snell. And I'm sure that after three years of, you know, just getting shit on by Bulls fans uh, every day, it's got to be pretty nice to come to Milwaukee and have Bucks fans actually like like him and cheer for him. And granted, they don't want to write him a blank check, perhaps, but um, I think he probably has a lot of incentive to come back. And so um, I, I think he's the kind of guy, you know, who who we might see sign pretty quickly. Um, you know, again, I, I just it just seems like that might be in the cards. I think Jordan Schultz tweeted something to that effect that that there's a strong chance that you know he would he would sign pretty quickly. Um, and yeah, I think it just makes sense. And Again, not ideal from a cap situation to be adding another guy, presumably making eight figures. But um, again, I think you got to sort of disentangle a little bit, you know, the Snell, Snell deal from kind of previous deals and um, other moves the Bucks might have to make. I don't even think you have to go as far as fans liking him and wanting him to be around. Like animals, the, the coaching, people. the coaching staff <laughs> liked having him be around. Like the organization valued him. And, yeah. and I don't think that was something that he got at all um, looking at the Bulls organization. There there was coaching changes. There was organizational turmoil. Um, I believe you called them idiots before. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, that, that's a good summation of kind of the last little while of, Bucks owner, or of Bulls ownership, excuse me, and kind of how they're going about things. So, I, to me, that that really stuck out in exit interviews with Tony Snell, talking with him and kind of just seeing that he felt kind of the same way that you would think he felt. That it was it was cool um, and, and it was nice and it was appreciated to actually be appreciated to to actually want your team to say, "Hey, we want you to shoot an open three every time." you touch it and hey we're gonna give you the toughest defensive responsibilities and again that was totally kind of dependent on the situation that the bucks needed those things but still for a guy who's gone through a bunch of stuff and who who hasn't really had the belief of his organization or his coaching staff to hear tony shoot it we want you to shoot it tony be yourself tony go out there make these plays like i think that does a lot for him and i do think that because of that appreciation that he would want to come back to milwaukee and he would want to work something out um so i very much see the bucks wanting him to stay like i said more importantly maybe i think he wants to stay i think he would very much enjoy uh getting to play with Giannis and uh kind of playing alongside him and being a part of what the bucks have going on and showing off that bucks dna like you said because uh, <laughs> i don't know how many you know what bucks dna has taken over as taken over he's just a basketball player Totally, t- I didn't realize it until uh, the press conference with DJ Wilson that I heard Bucks DNA like five times. I only heard he's a basketball player once. So uh, maybe we're we're swapping out some uh, some words, some buzzwords here. Uh, so Bucks DNA might be it now. Uh, Frank, let's go to 
the dollars on Tony Snell. Um, can we assume four years? Are you okay making that assumption? I would probably guess that. I mean, he's a guy who is coming off a rookie deal where he didn't make a ton of money. So I think you would probably want to go lock up as much money for as long as possible, especially coming after, you know, the best season of your career. And I mean, I, I point out as well, you know, th- this was Tony Snell's best season. Um, yeah. But by the same token, it wasn't like he was a guy who couldn't hit a three pointer before, you know, the two things he does yeah. shooting threes and playing defense. I mean, he's played defense before. He's made maybe not an, an uh, you know uh, an unreal defender. Um, he's not an out of this world shooter, but you know shot 36, 37 percent um, the previous two seasons from three on on similar volumes. Um, and really, the irony is this year. I mean, a lot of what changed was basically turning um, a lot of his mid range jumpers into threes and and layups basically. And so that was a big part of why his his true shooting mark you know went from 48 percent last year, which was bad it was 55 percent the year before um to 60 percent this year um just really kind of improving his his shot distribution and obviously shooting 40 percent from three always helps so um so anyway but yeah i would say four years to to you know to get to your point and what number are you going to pick as as your over under oh let's go with I don't think Alan Crab money is realistic, so I don't need to put it at like fifteen. I feel like fifteen would be the high end. Uh, let's go with, and I want to make it challenging. Let's go twelve, twelve per year uh, for Tony Snell. So in that uh, in that hypothetical that you just gave, four years, which I think is the same. I think four years would be logical for him. Four years, forty eight. Are you going over or under four years, forty eight? This may be, I mean, you can accuse me of wishful thinking, but I, I'll say under. Um, I may have said over or or right on that uh, a few weeks ago, but I think just with the cap again receding a little bit, um, with just a general sense of a little bit more you know, tightness in the market maybe than we thought a few weeks ago, um, I, I think I would say under, although, you know, I don't foresee the Bucks getting Tony Snell for like $8 million a year or something like that. Um, you know, I think, I, I don't know, it just seems like it would start at, at double digits and we would kind of see from there. And obviously there are different kind of, different kind of things that you could do with a contract, you know, even if it was four years, is there a player option that would obviously make it more useful to, to, to a player? Um, is there a team option that would obviously make it more favorable to a team, non-guaranteed money, things like that. But, um, but I, yeah, I, I'll say under, um, and it really has to be under to make it, well, I don't want to say that. Stretching Spencer Hawes opens up $4 million in additional room this year from a like tax and cap perspective. So even if they did you know, give, give him, let's say, $13 million a year, $14 million a year, I mean, there are ways you can still, without having to dump a bunch of you know trades, sal- salary via trades, um, you could still get under the tax potentially uh, in that scenario, especially if it's an increasing deal. Um, but I'll say under, and uh, I, I guess we'll just have to hope that that's correct. Yeah, I think, again, like you said, you don't want to just just be wishfully thinking that it's going to be under, but I don't know. I just I don't know if that market exists. We've talked about this a bunch of times that when you think of Alan Crabb money, you think, oh, okay, well, Tony Snell's kind of similar, like maybe that could happen, but that money just doesn't exist this offseason. There just isn't that much money, and I think on top of that, 
I think there's a lot of teams that saw last summer, hey, we probably paid too much for some of these guys. Um, which Like, Al- like Alan Crabb. <laughs> correct. Uh, but, but I think the entire market it was, was probably in a spot where it was just a bit inflated, where just about everyone got too much money, and it was because everyone had money, and everyone wanted to get in on the bidding, and everyone wanted to be a part of the fun, free agent frenzy, um, and I think a lot of people overpaid, so I just don't think that money's out there. Um, and again, Tony does a lot of nice things, but as I said before, too, he doesn't really create off the dribble. He's a solid defender. He's not a lockdown defender. I don't think there's any all defensive teams in his future. So like he he's nice in a lot of ways, um, but I just don't know if if there's someone out there that would give up that offer sheet, um, or even if it even gets to that. If the Bucks can can take care of business before that and, and get him signed, so I'm going to go with the under as well. Again. Kind of feels like me being a homer, but also I, I just don't know. It, I don't believe that market's there. Um, so again, you can call me a homer. That's fine, um, but I, I just don't think it's there. So let's move on to now. Uh, these are going to be. By the a- way, can but and one thing to add. So our our buddies at the Dunked On podcast they do their mock off season uh, every year, and it was uh, Nate Duncan, Danny Larue, uh, Dan Feldman, and Kevin Pelton, where they basically all. Uh, Danny, uh, Kevin, uh, and Dan all basically had teams assigned to them, and then Nate acted as the player agent. They basically literally simulated an entire offseason in about four hours over two parts of podcasts. And it was interesting because Dan was representing the Bucks, and he offered Snell four years, 30, I think. And Nate didn't take that sort of as an initial offer and said, okay, we'll go, let's see what the market sort of has. And basically, they went through the entire offseason and got to the restrictor free agent sort of towards the end. And um, it came down to, uh, who was it? Um, maybe it was Kevin. I don't know. So whoever was representing the Sixers just threw a random three years, 36 at, at Snell and then Dan matched it. So that's at least one, one example of smart people who understand basketball sort of trying to reflect the actual supply and demand of cap space in the market and what might happen with the entire population of free agents and trades and all that. And they came out to exactly 12 million so it was probably a good number for you to pick for an over under and i think yeah i mean it really uh, in a lot of ways comes down to probably whether any of the teams that will have a ton of cap space like the sixers or you know potentially the nets um you know do any of those teams kind of look at snell and say yeah sure we'll we'll throw you a big offer sheet and i think the point you made you know even alan crab like someone may have been able to talk themselves into having like a bit more upside whereas i think with tony you kind of know what Tony is at this point. You know, in his career year, he averaged eight points a game, playing pretty big minutes. <laughs> like, you know, he's never going to be a high usage guy. Um, yeah. You know, he's a catch and shoot guy. Um, he does very clear things, and it's valuable. But you know, you're not going to pay. I mean, this is part of the challenge. Um, and this is the challenge with free agency. By definition, you tend to get the team that pays the most is the guy is the place where the guy signs. You know, that's typically what guys look for. And so the whole winner's curse issue, you know, whatever you get Tony Snell for, unless he's just so excited to come back that he, you know, turns down potentially bigger offers or doesn't look for bigger offers in free agency, um, you know, that's probably going to be about what he's worth on the open market. You know, you're probably not going to get uh, sign him to a deal and then have teams show up in December and offer you massive amounts of stuff for Tony Snell. Um, that's that's you know, it's hard to overperform 
your contract when you sign a guy as a free agent and you pay a lot of money. So, um, so that's the downside is that, you know, Tony Snell kind of is what he is, but the upside is, you know, he's still not going to turn 26 until this fall, I believe. And so he obviously fits well and likes playing with the honest, Giannis likes playing with him, seems to be a good fit. And I guess, you know, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see if, you know, that another big contract potentially becomes a big problem for the Bucks. If again, if he underperforms a little bit or, um, you know, if the Bucks can certainly get out from some of these contracts, which we'll talk about here in a minute, um, that would certainly, I think, make the Snell move um, a lot more palatable for everyone. Okay, Frank. So Snell gets done, and I would say that's the the major block that is still out there, um, and that would be the major move. If that happens with their draft picks and with Gary Payton too still on the roster, the Bucks would be at fifteen players. So, that means we kind of have to go off the board here with some other things um, to even create a spot. And, and I guess I'll, I have two questions, and I'm going to pile a third on top of it. Do you think it's likely, or I guess, would you say those are the 15 guys that go into the season for the Milwaukee Bucks? No. Okay. So... With that being said, and I, I tend to agree with you, most likely player on the roster to be traded this offseason. To be traded or just to not be on the roster? To be traded. To be traded? Or so, actually, no, 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 no. Let's go cut. Let's go cut. most likely to be cut slash stretched. Okay. So it's an interesting question because I think you start with the the big man position, right? And it is the theme of the Milwaukee Bucks that they always have too many big men. Greg Monroe opts in, no shocker given the finances involved. Spencer Hawes opts in, no shocker with the finances involved. We now have Thon Maker going into the season knowing that he can play center. We didn't know that a year ago. Uh, and you also um, obviously have certainly the last and, well, also least, John Henson, who um, is owed around $30 million over the next three seasons. So there are a couple of different ways you can kind of go about this. I think the safety release valve for the Bucks, if they can't make any moves to shed, for instance, a Henson or a Toledovich and, you know, shed salary that way, the obvious move is you stretch uh, Spencer Haas, his $6 million salary. You spread it out over three years. You save $4 million this year and you're under the tax, even if Snell makes, you know, gets puts you a bit over. Why? Why is that the obvious move opposed to cutting GP2 would be non-guaranteed just because it's more? Yeah, and I, I don't th- – the thing is I'm not sure that that will be enough, um, especially because if you waive Gary Payton and say you waive him because you want to sign somebody else, then you, you may not save anything, right? Yeah. So yeah. A, a rookie – you know, a rookie a min- rookie minimum is about 850 I think, this year, and Gary Payton's contract is 1.3. So, um, again, you know, you save – 450 500 something like that but it really doesn't you know make a huge dent so unless you were just barely over with the snell deal so i I don't i don't think the Peyton deal alone necessarily gets you there and i also think you know again they don't have any pressure to like do anything immediately because again the tax isn't levied until like the end of the season right so i mean you can effectively think of you have until basically the trade deadline to make moves essentially that can get you under the tax um but again you probably don't want to wait that long because then you're you're really under the gun to to do something um, but I guess if I had to pick one and really it comes down to, do I think the Bucks can trade John Henson or not? Because if they can trade John Henson and let's say take back a bit less salary to get you back under the tax, then 
just sort of keeping Spencer Hawes as an expiring salary in your third string center kind of makes sense, right? Um, but if you can't trade John Henson without, you know, either taking back bad salary or whatever it might be, um, then I think Spencer Hawes is your kind of safety release valve. Um, so to me, it's either the first question is, can you trade John Henson? If yes, then you probably keep Spencer Hawes, and I'd say Gary Payton's more likely to be the guy who's waived in order to you know sign somebody else. Um, but if not, then I think Hawes is the guy that that gets stretched waived. So if I follow down that logic tree, all right, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be an optimist. We talk a lot about me being cynical. We said the other day we like to be cynical. I'm gonna be an optimist for a change. John Henson. John Henson's the longest tenured buck at this point, isn't he? He came in 2012. I think he's the longest tenured yeah. buck. I'm going to be an optimist. I'm going to say, despite all this talk we've had about big men not being having any value and being tough to move, all that, I'm going to say that the Bucks do find someone to take John Henson. Not necessarily his full salary for nothing in return, but um, the Bucks find a way to move him. Maybe they add, you know, I don't know, a wing or a point guard or somebody who, you know, isn't necessarily a a good asset, but somebody at least who fills more of a role. And as a result, uh, if they do that also, maybe then they're more able to to dump um, uh, Gary Payton as well. Uh, I don't think it would happen necessarily in July, but I will say Gary Payton is the most likely to be waived. Do you disagree? Where am I wrong? See, I've been, I've been telling people all summer long that I am, I don't know if optimistic is the right word, but I'm pretty convinced that at some point, as free agency starts to to wind down, you can chop off a bunch of that Henson onto somebody. Um, like, <laughs> I, I, like just the way that his contract is structured. Because as we, I, I don't even know the last time we talked about it. Because I don't, we don't spend a lot of time talking about John Henson. But his contract decreases as the years go on. So this year it's like eleven four. Next year ten six, and then in the final year nine seven. Uh, so it, it declines as it moves forward. And also, I, if he had been, <laughs> this is going to sound strange, but if he had been benched by five coaches in four years, or was it what four coaches in three years, or four coaches in four, whatever it is, if that had happened. If every coach he'd ever played for had benched him at some point, and it happened in three different organizations, I think you'd probably be a little bit less optimistic on him. But since he spent his entire career with one organization, I just feel like there's a chance that a team could say, you know what, let's just focus on his block numbers from whatever year John Henson looked like he was a good basketball player. Let's focus on those. We, as an organization and as a coaching staff, can find that with inside John Henson and bring that back out and bring him to being a good basketball player. And I don't think the Bucks' demands for him would be anything. Um, I think they would be happy if they could do Henson for a second-round pick. And, and I think they'd be happy if, even if they had to take on, even if they had to take on salary for two years, as long as it was six million per year for those two years, like that's that's definitely a better thing than having Henson for those three years and kind of staying in the way. And if it's a wing instead of a big, like even better. 
Um, so, so I think I think there's a taker out there. Um, so he's going to be my most likely to be traded um, and most likely to be cut, stretched. I mean, again, if you follow that logical tree, it would mean GP2 would be the one to cut. Uh, but, I mean, Spencer Hawes just might end up getting stretched because, again, maybe, maybe that isn't the most likely, but... Uh, like you laid out, there's only so many ways this summer can go for the Bucks. Um, I don't think there's a bunch of crazy moves out there for them. I, I think it's pretty much just just what we laid out. So I think it, it's pretty tough to try to pick who could be cut or stretched. Um, so we will we will kind of see where that goes. Uh, two more here, Frank. One, one thing one thing I'd add on that as well. You know, we haven't talked a lot about expiring contracts as being something valuable in the NBA the last couple of years, just because there's so much cap space that teams haven't needed to take on expiring deals that, that might change a little bit here over the next year just because again the, the cap is is getting a little bit tighter and you know there's this interesting effect last year we saw the quote-unquote market price for a starter you know people throw out this number a lot of times oh it's 15 million dollars is now the market price for for a starter um well you know again th- there was a massive jump in the cap last year and a bunch of guys who were marginal starters or not really even starters like alan crabb got paid that or more and that sort of sets an expectation level and i think it'll be really interesting to see this to see that see this summer everyone's going to say like oh well if you're a shooting guard you know you're going to say well alan crab got 18 million dollars well, why don't i get that and some of those guys might get paid a lot of money still we obviously think a lot of those guys are not going to get paid as much as as maybe we saw a year ago but i think there will be sort of this you know obviously a trend to, to kind of push push some of these values up um but there's not going to be enough kind of for everyone um so I, I think it'll be just an interesting to watch just sort of like how the market kind of how much push and pull there is in the market and um i feel like if if there's a way to to move henson maybe it's one of these teams that is currently sort of in flux and and maybe is a seller this summer you know that maybe unexpectedly ends up with with some cap room and who knows maybe they end up with you know an opening at the center position uh maybe that is is the kind of team that ends up looking at john henson and just sort of saying like eh, you know he's not paid like timothy mozgov he's not paid like bismack biombo or bismack biombo or jan mahimi right like he's clearly much cheaper than those guys who are getting you know 15 16 17 million and he's still in the age range where you could talk yourself into him maybe having some kind of renaissance you know maybe he has sort of like that brandon wright type um improvement if he plays with you know a good pick and roll point guard or something like that which you know in fairness to henson like certainly he hasn't necessarily had um that kind of opportunity and again i don't want to act like john henson is you know just the victim of never having a chance because obviously he's been walking a long time hey hey, hey, there there might be there might be other gms listening so go ahead no go down that road he just Um, he just needs a chance yeah but i mean right and henson can do some stuff and um you know obviously you know questions about like him you know from a motor standpoint from motivation standpoint like you know is he you know he's not thon right in terms of just like bringing it every night is is sort of that you know is is you know does he just need maybe a change of scenery could that maybe be the thing that that pushes him a little bit i don't know i mean but it wouldn't shock me given his age um if maybe you know he'll be 26 coming into the season maybe he can find um a different landing spot and again maybe it's one of these teams that um right now maybe doesn't seem like a place that might need a john henson but maybe they 
find themselves sometime in July with some flexibility to do something and they say, geez, you know, we just sold off, you know, the Clippers just sold off Chris Paul and maybe they're on the verge of trading DeAndre Jordan soon. Um, you know, do they say like, oh, well, we can get John Henson for free? Like, okay, we'll, we'll do that and <laughs> make it seem like we did something this summer. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, you know, who knows? I, I think uh, that's actually, is, like, I actually think that's a good point. If there is a team that, after all these shakeups, is trying to figure out, like, okay, how do we cobble together a lineup here? How do we co- cobble together a roster? If you have some cap space and you messed out on someone else, like, okay. Uh, I'm not sure what teams would need a center, just because, obviously, we talk all the time about just the glut of centers that exist. But if you do need a center and you can get him essentially for free, yeah, like that might that might not be the worst like dice roll you you've ever made. Just ten million dollars on John Henson, like that. Uh, I think you could talk yourself into that pretty easy. Yeah, I mean, a team like the Clippers, right, which has, um, you know, uh, if they were to trade DeAndre Jordan, for instance, and I know a couple of people asked me on Twitter today if you know I think the Bucks should make a move for DeAndre Jordan. My my answer was probably not, just because DeAndre's twenty nine, he can opt out next summer. You know, I mean, I'm sure they would want real assets for him and not just John John Henson. You know, I told uh, I told the Brew Hoop gang uh, today that we were talking in a a group message, and I said that I'm to the point with centers where I'm totally cool with Thon being the only center on the roster for the next like five years. I'm I'm just at that point where you know what, force Giannis to play some five. Force DJ Wilson to play some five, whatever. I, I'm I'm just tired of looking at the roster and seeing so many centers. And again, it's not realistic. Like I understand that no NBA team is just going to have one undersized, uh, or maybe I don't know if Thon's undersized, but under I don't know, under muscled, under strengthed. Uh, like I, they wouldn't do that, and it's not realistic. But I'm to that point. Like I'm just tired of seeing centers on the roster. You, you kind of. I mean, that's the irony of of John Hammond's tenure. Like when Andrew Bogut was around, it felt like John Hammond was perpetually not getting backup centers, even yeah. with Bogut being sure. perpetually hurt. Um, and then the last two years, it's like he was trying to sort of just make up for lost time, and you know, or, or maybe he was just trolling Jason Kidd by just giving Kidd <laughs> all of the centers to have to play. If 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 ever there was an argument for Jason Kidd's power dwindling, it's that the Bucks just didn't give away Greg Monroe or well, Greg Monroe. I mean, we don't know if they could have given away John Henson, but um, but the fact that they hung on to all those centers, much to Jason Kidd's chagrin, um, maybe says a little bit about Jason Kidd not being able to do whatever he wanted um, over the last year. But, um, but yeah, a team like the Clippers, I mean, I was just looking at their cap sheet. I mean, you know, Jamal Crawford, his deal, he, he's not guaranteed the year after next, but next year he makes $14 million, So it's like, you know, okay, I don't think you can add, you know, if you were just doing a straight swap. Even if, you know, you could argue, you could talk yourself into the idea of, you know, having Jamal Crawford and, and getting sort of the benefit of not having to pay John Henson thereafter. Um, and maybe Jamal Crawford having some kind of value as a, you know, bench scorer guy. Um, I don't think the Bucks could necessarily afford to add that much money this year. Um, but like, I don't know, Wesley Johnson, he makes around $6 million. Um, if you could figure out a way to just make sort of the, the cap stuff work with maybe some some deals and things like that. Yeah. Um, maybe that's the kind of like salary dump deal where you take a guy who's not really going to add value this year, but you know, again, he's not owed money beyond this year. 
and you know he owes he's owed less money this year so you do get some marginal you know breathing room against the luxury tax but anyway i feel like we've talked enough about john henson we've talked ourselves into the tradeability of john henson yeah. and amazingly we didn't even bring up miles plumley who single-handedly remains the number one <laughs> argument for why john henson should be tradable um rest in peace miles plumley and his bucks career uh but anyway all right we've 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 talked about john henson and his tradability enough i think okay so moving forward frank these last two um are going to be kind of interesting they're both about shooting guards um and as we've already covered tony snell you're probably asking what on earth is eric going to ask about um let's start with a former bucks first rounder rashad vaughn True or false, Rashad Vaughn will be a member of the Milwaukee Bucks next season. That's an interesting question. He's another guy who, uh, you know, we haven't really thought about it much, but especially because he's owed so little. If a team with cap space, like a team like a Brooklyn or a Clippers or one of these teams that, you know, wants to have random young guys and wants to be able to say like, ah, sure, we took a flyer on a guy who's owed very little. I mean, Rashad Vaughn is 20 years old still, right? He doesn't turn 21 until, you know, I think a couple months from now. Yep. Um, you know, again, he, he got better last year. Is he going to be an NBA player at some point? That's an open question, right? Um, he, he's still not a consistent shooter. I think we saw an improvement from him sort of in terms of what he can do, do defensively at times. Obviously, he's not like a great team defender or something, but um, I think has looked surprisingly competent as a one-on-one defender at times. Um, and, you know, financially, he's not really owed very much and whoever were to acquire him if he was traded uh does have an option uh this october they can either pick up his fourth year player option or sorry team option or they could not do that and then he just becomes an expiring salary for you know whatever it was like is he owed 2.9 million i think this this coming year something like that um so again he's a guy that i think you could probably get out from under at some point this summer, probably some team might be willing to take a flyer on him. Maybe a team that hasn't watched him that much the last couple of years. Um, okay, that was mean. But uh, but I think he is a guy that you could also potentially use to try to shave a little bit of money off your cap. And um, I hinted at this. I mean, you know where I come out on this. But I mean, I hate to say this, given that one is literally half the age of the other. And it seems absurd. <laughs> but... If, you know, the Clippers said, we'll take, you know, we'll take Rashad Vaughn off your hands or the Nets were willing to take Rashad Vaughn off your hands for a top 55 protected second round pick, i.e. the a second round pick that never conveys. Um, and then you had some flexibility to go sign Jason Terry to a minimum deal. Screw it, man. I'm doing it. Gimme Jet. Good luck to you, Rashad. Sterling Brown is my new homeboy. And let's just move on. That that I, I don't know. I feel like a total. I feel like an old man saying that because you know we should be arguing for why you need to keep young guys and take chances on guys. But I don't know. I, I'm I I, I I I do believe in the value of you know a well placed veteran on on a roster, and uh, you you know I got a soft spot for Jet. I do. Um, I think if I'm in that scenario. And the cap allows for it a hundred out of a hundred times. I'm cutting Gary Payton too before I'm cutting Rashad Vaughn. Oh yeah, I, I don't I don't think I would cut Rashad unless that would be very weird to cut Rashad over over GP. Correct, I would say. But, but even because, even if you need to throw someone in a trade, Gary Payton too would be the one I would do 
before that as well, um, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I mean, or both, <laughs> potentially, right? I mean, True, yeah. you know, because um, I, I mean, I think that's the thing, right? Is is what do the Bucks need from from their guard spot? And you know, Rashad Vaughn had a golden opportunity last fall when Chris Middleton got hurt to sort of make his claim, and I don't think he, I don't know how convinced people were going into camp. Um, Obviously, there was a lot of interest in finding some better options. Excuse me, that was member of the starting lineup at the start of camp, Rashad Vaughn. That that he was, um, <laughs> and obviously they went with they went with Tony. They got Tony Snell, and then Tony Snell kind of ran with it. And you know, we've just said that we believe Tony Snell's coming back, and you've got Sterling Brown as well. Whenever it is that he's officially introduced, um, so certainly I think adding Sterling Brown, especially given. You know, again, I won't claim to know exactly how good Sterling Brown's going to be, but a lot of people who are smarter than me about prospects seem to be really high on Sterling Brown. Um, so I, I think certainly that that is a bit of a shot across the bow for Rashad Vaughn. And um, and yeah, as far as Gary Payton goes, I mean, what do we always talk about the Bucks needing from their point guards? Shooting, off the dribble shooting, three-point shooting, <laughs> shooting. What is the one thing that Gary Payton can't do? Shoot. Um, well, you know, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't narrow it down to the one thing Gary one Payton thing. can't do. <laughs> what but... is his most obvious Achilles heel shooting, right? <laughs> yes, um, not better. to say that he's a great you know, playmaker either, but um, if he could shoot, you could arg- talk yourself into him pretty easily, I would say. Um, and and again, I mean, he's an old prospect, Um I don't know how old he, I think he's like 23, 24, Gary Payton. So, um, so it's, uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm not that worried about Payton, you know, getting waived and then going someplace else and becoming this good player. I think there'd be a good chance you could waive him and then resign him to maybe that second, um, two way contract. Like we talked about the other day as well. So, um, I don't, I don't, I don't, who knows, maybe you could resign Rashad Vaughn to, to, to your second two-way contract <laughs> as well. But, um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with those kind of back-end roster guys. Cause um, certainly a lot of questions about Vaughn, Sterling Brown, hopefully he's a guy that we see um, do well in summer league. And, and then obviously it depends a bit on what the Bucks want to do at the end of their bench. Do they want to add, a, you know, another point guard? Do they have the flexibility to do that? Um, a lot of kind of moving pieces there. You mentioned the last question I was already going to ask. I was going to ask true or false. Jason Terry is a buck next year. You're already in true. And I'm going to say I'm in true as well. Well, actually, I'm going to say false. Oh, wow. I, I've, I've made the case for Jason Terry to be a buck. Wow. But like I said the other day, what do the Bucks do when they get a glue guy, veteran dude, and he plays a surprisingly, you know, real role in a nice season. They immediately get rid of that guy. So I will, um, and and uh, maybe I'm just like reverse jinxing. I'm definitely reverse jinxing, but I don't know. I mean, it's definitely not like a no-brainer. I think if you're just an objective, you know, impartial viewer, and obviously I'm not because I have a soft spot for Jet, but. Um, but I, I, I mean, there is, as you said, there is a roster squeeze. Um, you may have to get rid of, you know, a young guy that you might not want to get rid of. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I think clearly you're not signing Jet, Jet on, you know, July 1st. He's clearly a guy you'd only look at sort of towards the end of, of free agency and after you've made kind of other moves. So, um, so I will, um, I will, I will predict that that Jet is not back. I'll predict that the Bucks. Um, follow and do what the Bucks always do, which is kick their beloved veteran glue guy to the curb. And uh, and then, well, I don't know. I don't want to say that they're going to suffer the consequences, but every other time they've done it, they've immediately had a disappointing year thereafter. So um, beware the Jason Terry curse. That's all I'm saying. 
I want to. I think I'm going to say true. I think he meant enough to that roster, and good God, if you look at the rest of that team, you have what Giannis at 23, Monroe, Middleton, Henson, and maybe if Henson's gone, someone else. Toledovich, Delvadova, Jabari, Thon, Rashad, Malcolm, DJ Wilson, Spencer Hawes, and Tony Snell and Sterling Brown. Like, that is a young, young team. Um, and, man, it, it. I just feel like Jed had made such a good impression this year. He gets along with kids so well that I, I just see them somehow finding a way to bring him back um, and just finding a way to get him on the roster, if only to bump up their median age. Um, I, I feel like Jet helps out. Like, he, he's just good. And, again, maybe this is me wanting to see the bright side of things and hope for the best, but I, I just think having – a veteran around like that actually helps young guys. And um, if you can do it for as cheap as I imagine you can get Jet, it, it seems worthwhile to me. So I'm going to say true. I'm going to say he's on the roster. And, and if and if not, then I would hope that he'd be an assistant. <laughs> Which, yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't know. I mean, like... Uh, See, I mean, the I thing was... Think, did, I, still, I still think he can play, but, um, but again, like maybe not as much as he played last year, but... Um, but but we'll see and 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 obviously i think that you know and it's a fair argument right we'll pay him a few hundred grand to be an assistant rather than you know a million bucks to be to be a uh, a bench player fair enough but i i do think there is value in having that guy play yeah i agree i uh i hope everyone listened to it when it came out but rob mahoney's been doing did the breakaway podcast this past year and it's more like an npr this American life, like telling a story of a podcast, not just talking to someone and interviewing them, like trying to tell a story. And he did one about veterans and Jason Terry was the guy and Rob asked something similar to that. Like, well, why don't you just like coach and have the same impact on these young guys? And he's like, it's, it's not the same. Like being actually out there with them means more to guys that you're actually on the floor with them you're doing the drills with them you are showing your worth and showing your expertise and value that makes them want to listen to you more than if you're on the sideline and trying to tell them something uh so just uh, and again maybe that's me wanting to buy into the value of having veterans because i've always thought that that's an important thing but it just seems like to me that I think the the obvious retort to oh you should bring Jet back is always oh well just make him an assistant coach and I, I just don't think it's the same and I don't think you get the same value out of having that guy as an assistant coach as you do having him on the floor with the players. Yeah, it's different, right? It's different, and um, uh, again, you know, you can't have assistant coaches jumping up on the scorers table. That's just that's, that's, <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe maybe assistant Jet would. But, um, <laughs> But we're not used to that. So, um, so I don't know. Let's, so let's. I guess should we recap where we are at this point, or do we want to do any more before we recap what our predictions were? No, I think we're good. So, okay. um, I'm just gonna go down the line. I think we were. I think we were pretty much the same on all of these, um, except Jason Terry. So, <laughs> Snell returns. True or false? True. Snell over under twelve. Under. 
Fingers crossed. Most likely to be traded. I don't even remember. What did we say? Did we say Henson? I think Sean Henson, fingers yeah. crossed. Uh, I feel like we didn't I feel like we didn't really talk much about Mirza because we focus on Henson, but I mean I think Mirza will have a market as well. Um yeah. and, and maybe even a more fluid market just because the stretch for just is something that most teams want and he's like the stretchiest of sort of bench stretch fours you can imagine. And he's also has one year less on his contract. He's not as young, obviously, but um, he's another guy again. Like, I don't think a trade's happening, you know, on day one of free agency. But, you know, I think we mentioned the other day, like, you know, if some other team strikes out that that wants a floor stretcher, um, you know, he could be another guy where you swap him for a guy who maybe has fewer years on his contract or um, is paid a little, a little bit less this year. So I think that's possible. But I also don't think they need to trade Mirza as Agreed. much as they need to trade henson just from like a fit and just roster construction standpoint like i know it would be cool if you traded mirza then you'd have you know minutes theoretically for dj wilson as a stretch four which is cool but is dj wilson like ready for that like immediately because i mean let's be honest with jabari out like who's playing power forward minutes other than Giannis right now i mean beasley's probably not coming back if mirza's gone he's gone I mean, we didn't really see them play Middleton as a small ball four, like, at all last year. Um, and I don't know. I mean, you could say, like, well, put Thon in some minutes there. But obviously, we're very anti. You are extremely anti-Thon at power forward. That is correct. Sort of, you know, sort of where, where he maximizes his value, and I would tend to agree. So, um, so yeah, it'll be an interesting situation. Although, you know, you could argue, well, if they, have all these, if they still have all these damn big guys, and maybe Kid plays Thon at the four just because he needs to put people somewhere but i hope that's uh, i hope that's not the case so yeah i mean i think that's a kind of an interesting thing i think if mirza is back i think they're and again i'm i am a you know a, a citizen of the Televich archipelago but <laughs> um but I, I think he does actually have a pretty good chance to bounce back especially if you know the roster sort of is similar to where it is now in terms of you know guys right if he's if he's basically the backup for slash if we can see more um you know Giannis mirza you know combination lineups then uh, then I think the team actually becomes pretty interesting. And obviously with Jabari out, um, he would seem to have an opportunity to do that, assuming you know they can avoid sort of defensive issues with him on the court. And ironically, that was that's the one thing they actually did well. Like as much as he has limitations, like they actually defended really well when he was on the court last year. One other thing while we're here talking about possible trades, etc. It's in my mentions almost every day. I'm going to tell you right now, it's extremely unlikely that the Milwaukee Bucks will trade Matthew Dellavedova. Again, I understand how crazy he drives people. I understand how limited people th- think he is, and I understand how bad they think his contract is. I do not think the Bucks share many of those same sentiments. They they do they very much like Dellavedova. They very much like what he brings to the table. So, again, you can continue to ask me, but my answer will continue to be that seems very unlikely. Just wanted to put that out there and clear that up because I still get that pretty regularly. Yeah, I think the I think I mean I think we mentioned it, like the only obvious Delhi trade scenario that kind of makes sense would be like a Rubio Delhi Bucks Wolves something on that like and again I don't know what what that would look like because I don't know why the Wolves are so seemingly desperate to always trade Ricky Rubio but you know we've heard for a while that that Jason Kidd in particular likes Ricky Rubio. 
obviously there's a shoot, the shooting concern. Rubio too. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's good. I mean, his he teams is. always play he's well with him good. on the court. You yes. know, he's he's good. Um, but uh, but I think I don't know. I mean, you could see Tibbs. You know, if if Tibbs wants to get out from under Rubio's contract, especially if like I, I don't know, like if if and I don't know if this would happen if Minnesota was in a situation where they needed to shed. You know, I think Rubio makes like 14 or something like that. Like if the the Wolves desperately needed to shed four million dollars to make some other cap move or something like that. Granted, the Bucks aren't really in a position to add four million in net salary, but um, but maybe there is some scenario where they make other moves and then you know uh, some peripheral assets involved. Um, you know, could, like what, could like Delhi and Haas, like Delhi Haas and like a second rounder, something like that. I was just trying to think of what could make the money work for a Rubio deal in the Bucks yeah, assets. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not really sure how much they. Again, I mean, it's kind of hard to say. Like, given that they seemingly want to trade him and they have not traded him, you would assume that means there have not been great offers for him. Um, but they presumably need somebody else to be interested in him. You know, well, they also need to get some. You know, and again, they could be a suitor for Drew Holiday or somebody like that. So obviously, if that happens, then you know, maybe Delhi is completely of no interest to them, or who knows? Maybe they would still have some interest in him. I, I have no idea. But um, but at least. At least maybe there might be something there, but I would agree in general. I don't think the Bucks are banging down anybody's door to shop Matthew Delvadova. They seem to like him, you know, as a player, as a person. They have two NBA point guards right now, and I think, you know, until further notice, they need both of them, especially because they don't have an obvious way to to add a better one. So um, I think Delhi's around, and I think that's fine. You know, I mean, as long as he's again in the right role. Agreed. Um, okay, most likely to most likely to be cut slash traded. Or cut slash stretched. Sorry. I what did I did I end up on Gary Payton? Uh, I think. So. I think I said. I think I said. I think I said that Henson. I thought Henson might be traded. Therefore, Haas wouldn't necessarily be stretched. Yeah, therefore, Gary correct. Payton by default becomes the guy who gets waived. But I certainly think there's. I, I think that's a very. That's kind of a toss up. I think there's a, also a, a very good chance that eventually you could see Spencer Haas stretched again, and, and then a lot of it depends on whether they can move John Henson. Rashad Vaughn is a Milwaukee Buck next season. True or false? I think I said false, right? I don't know if I ever said false. I just sort of like outlined how it might happen, but I, I'll say false. Um, and if if they had not picked Sterling Brown in the second round, I might have gone the other way. But um, I, I think there's. You know, if if Sterling Brown impresses in summer league in particular, you know we saw last year like the Bucks gave the ball to Malcolm Brogdon as a point guard. He wasn't necessarily great in Vegas, but it seemed pretty quickly they decided that they were okay with with having him be a rotation guy. And at point, they went off and shipped Michael Carter Williams out of town, and they they went from there. So again. I don't know if Sterling Brown's going to be as good as Malcolm Brockton. Probably that's a dangerous uh, assumption to make, given Malcolm Brockton just won Rookie of the Year. But um, but I could see him, you know, being a guy that that at least pushes Vaughn for you know that like fifth guard or third swing man or whatever kind of role we want to we want to call. So I will uh, I'll say. Rashad Vaughn, uh, one way or another, is is no longer a buck next year. I will say true there. I think Rashad Vaughn will be a buck. Jason Terry will be a member of the Milwaukee Bucks next season. True or false? With a heavy heart, I, I don't have I don't have faith that the Bucks see in Jason Terry what I see. Even though Jason Kidd probably very much does. So maybe this is a good referendum on Jason Kidd's uh, clout. Um, but in this case, in this case, I do hope that Jason Kidd gets what he wants. And I would love to see Jason Terry back, but 
Uh, I'll play the skeptic. I'll, I'll say Jason Terry is not back, so maybe one more thing we disagree on. Yes, I will say true, and that I think is going to be it for us. Uh, I don't. I'm trying to think of any scenarios. I made sure to throw in Delhi on the way back. Uh, we talked about various ways that we could get to 14 players on the on the roster. Um, anything else? Pro- pro- probably the 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 guy that we we didn't talk about. I don't know if we even mentioned his name. Uh, maybe maybe once um the other guy who is an obvious guy who you know is is the 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 250 pound center in the room is greg monroe um he's an expiring contract he's productive he's probably not a piece of the long-term future in milwaukee i've made the argument that he's still a valuable guy this year even if they don't want to keep him long term just because of sort of the offensive support he can provide especially with jabari out um but certainly if the Bucks want to make a bigger move involving a bigger salary, I don't know what that would be. But Greg Monroe is an obvious guy that, you know, at this point as an expiring deal could be used in that situation, especially if there's a team out there that wants a guy who can play, but also they don't want to necessarily um, harm their long-term cap situation if they want to make a move next summer. So um, I think there are definitely scenarios where John or, uh, Greg Monroe might get traded this summer, but I don't know. I feel like we've gone down this path of Greg Monroe trade so many times before, <laughs> before that I'm not going to predict that Greg Monroe will get traded, but um, he certainly, if the Bucks want to make a splash, having an expiring $18 million salary of a player who's actually productive is, uh, is not a bad thing to have around. Man, I didn't even think of that possibility until right now. That'd be really interesting. Um, okay. I think that's going to be it. That's our free agency preview I'm sorry if you were expecting us to break down all of the point guards available, um, all of the wings available, etc. There are a number of podcasts within the Lockdown Network that I'm sure would do a great job at that. That just does not seem particularly relevant to anything going on with the Milwaukee Bucks. So uh, that's going to be it for us. Uh, that was Frank Mann. I'm Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks, and we will talk to you later. Is that the new iPhone? Yeah, got it on T-Mobile. Fastest iPhone deserves America's fastest LTE network. Introducing the amazing iPhone 8. It's the best iPhone yet, now on America's best unlimited network. For a limited time, save up to $300 on the amazing iPhone 8 after 24 monthly bill credits. And now join T-Mobile's iPhone upgrade program for free. Eligible trade-in and finance agreement required. If you cancel service, you may lose promo credits. Contact us for details. Video at 480p. Small fraction of users over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speed. See store for details.